up everybody you are listening to suds buds presents pints and pixar the show where we chat about the films of our childhood over an adult beverage i'm half of the show eric anderson and with me as always the other half of the show the peanut butter to my jelly mr nate what up padel i think that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me oh. peanut butter is jelly Got some lanky-ass jelly over here, some short-ass peanut butter. The Wonder Bread to my delicious condiments. Okay, that's a little less nice. <laughs> How about that? I'm the peanut butter and the jelly. Uh, see, there it is. I was wondering when that was going to come Sweet back. Sweet and it. salty. <laughs> and you're just bread. I'm just, I'm just the bread that balances you out. Yes. Yeah, the yes. vehicle to present you. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Can't just like wait. Isn't my mother the vehicle to present me? No, n- no. <laughs> Are you my You're... mom? Yes, Eric. I'm. I'm sorry to have to do this on air, but um, I am your mother. I don't know if it's just because the heat in our sunny California studio is going to my head, or if it's because I just found out that the person I thought was my mother for the last almost thirty years is an imposter yeah who's she then well you know uh you turns out you were just kind of a lot as a child and i was like nah nah bro i'm done and so like you know just hired her she's a paid actor she makes pretty good money you know health dental wait so you know my mom matching 401k of course i know you're my mom (laughs) you know the person i thought that was my mom i know you're i know my employee yes I don't like my mom. Why would you say that? I don't like my new mom. <laughs> oh, that's fair. Eric, go to your room. I will turn this podcast right around. I want the actor lady back. <laughs> well, finish your peanut butter and jelly and we can talk. Whatever, bread. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's hot. It is um, gross. Speaking of hot, we're going to steamroll through today's episode. Because we're talking all things Cars 3. Gotta say, uh, a little more excited for this episode than last episode. Um, yeah. Me too. Uh, Me our, too. our disdain for Cars 2 was not uh, not subtle. But this one I didn't mind. Like, it wasn't my favorite, but like... Actually, I think it's right up there with Cars 1. Yeah. I, I don't like it as much, but we'll get to that more down the line. But in the meantime, how have you been? I've been pretty good. Um, got uh, some music gigs kicking back up. Um, got uh, family weddings, birthdays, whole bunch of. Honestly, a friend of mine hit me up asking me if I wanted to hang out this week, and I was like, I feel like a schmuck saying this, but uh, I'm I'm busy all week, and that was they texted me yesterday. I was like, I've got no, no days this week that I can do anything. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I was in a similar boat. My buddy Tim hit me up. Fortunately, he's also in the 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 beverage industry, works at a bar, but uh, wanted to hang out sometime because it's been a while. I haven't seen him in probably two months now. And uh, 
Yeah, it's just like kind of more or less of the same thing. Like, I had like two blocks of time, but I'm like, they're like after nine at night. So it's like, yep. For me, if you want to hang out, talk about something, catch up, play some pool, whatever, go out and grab some snacks and a drink at like nine. I can make that work because my life operates around those times. But I get that for a lot of people. You know, we're getting to that age where a lot of our friends have kids and stuff and it's mm-hmm. it's tough to rely on a relationship where um you know the only time you can hang out is is late like that because i understand that's not normal people nine to five or hours yep well the other problem is like a lot of my time blocks are early in the morning yes yes like, same like 8 a.m to noon most of the time i got nothing yeah like i'll just putz through some side projects but like other than that yeah late at night just kind of booked through yeah it's like okay well oops yeah that's uh that's adulthood man that's uh it's growing up getting older having priorities being pulled in multiple different directions and uh there's 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 nothing wrong with it fortunately we are as humans are adaptable creatures so you know and as uh as mentor or as the mentor in the cars movie said uh how do you know when to retire when the when the rookies tell you to yes you know absolutely and another car's tie-in you know much like uh lightning mcqueen whether you're you're you know going through life on the the smooth asphalt that is life or on the the rocky road that is life you know you just got to adjust to it you got to learn how to drive on all surfaces as a wise band once said you know life is a highway the wisest I didn't feel good about that. If you one. love this show, check out our uh, our Rascal Flats podcast. Yeah. Rascal Buds <laughs> called Just, the 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 Little Rascal Flat Earthers. Yes, um, we we put out one episode every year. <laughs> That'd be a real fun one. Just like hyping an episode all year long. And then, yep, just release one. It's a half hour long and then done for the year. Yeah, that would be a, more of a special than a, 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 I mean, a show. But. I don't know. Uh, but, like, if if every single one of your episodes, if yeah, they only came out once a year and they're a half hour, is that really a special then? I mean, that's just your show. Mm, maybe. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like you could do it. Let's try it out. Well, we already do. I mean, Rascal Flat Earthers uh, coming out um, <laughs> whenever I decide. Yeah, to a video store yeah. near you. <laughs> Only release it at the one blockbuster left in the country. <laughs> we can single-handedly save Blockbuster. We'll give them one half-hour video podcast a year that you can find at your not-so-local Blockbuster. Exactly. Well, we're pretty far off the the track here, if you will. You know, we're well into the pits, I think. Hey, but uh, I know it could help with that. Yeah, me too. And we got some help actually this week from a wonderful listener. So I want to dedicate today's first beer to listener Chase. Chase actually was uh, kind enough to message us on the old Instagram uh, this past week and. He recommended, hey, guys, if you're doing Cars beers, I got two for you. One from Ale Smith, which is the one we're drinking today, the Speedway Stout. 
And the other one, which I couldn't get my hands on, I tried, Chase, I tried, and I appreciate it because I love Motorhead. I love me some Lemmy. But it was uh, Motorhead uh, Road Crew, I believe. And I don't know if Motorhead is the brewery or the name. I don't know if Road Crew is the brewery or the the name of the beer. But uh, apparently it was only available, according to Untapped and Total Wine, at uh, a liquor store a ways from here that I was just not able to get to. So I will track down that Motorhead beer another day. But in the meantime, wanted to send our best to listener of the show, Mr. Chase. So thank you. Uh, Keep listening and contributing if you'd like. Uh, We appreciate it, and it definitely doesn't go unnoticed. So without further ado, ka-chow, cheers, Chase, and uh, let's crack open the conversation. So again, this is Alesmith, and this is their Speedway Stout. Now, I've seen this beer before. Um, when I used to work at a liquor store in Golden Valley, but at that time it was only available in, I believe, seven fifties. Yeah, this because this comes in at what twelve uh, percent. Yeah, it's a hefty boy. I'm gonna say it's pouring like motor oil. Oh, look at that perfect pour. Wow, actually, I should, I should, I know I always make the joke about putting all your uh, your bad pours on Instagram, but this is actually a good one. We should put that on there. So it's a little dark in, in the studio today. We uh we dim the lights, one for the mood, two because it's it's hot as hell here in sunny California. So, uh, I'm gonna try to read this can. This is a black can, so it's also gonna be tough to read. Alesmith is out of San Diego, California, not too far from here, and uh, yeah, this is the Speedway Stout. Got some cool checkered flags. Thanks, Nate. Thanks for the light. Yep. Um, it's an imperial stout brewed with coffee. We opted for the four pack of 16 ounce cans. It is 12% alcohol by volume and it says chocolate and roasted malts dominate the flavor supported by notes of dark fruit, toffee, and caramel, 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 caramel sounds better. A healthy dose of locally roasted coffee added to each batch further brings out the brew's chocolate notes and enhances its drinkability. This beer will continue to mature for many years to come. And then, uh, yeah, it says pour in a goblet. Keep it at 50 to 55 degrees. Uh, It pairs well with creamy blue cheeses. And it, uh, its origin is 1995 i believe it says in california so san diego it's kind of a cool little you know uh i think uh the brewery that comes to mind with the notes like that like the kind of pictures with just small text is um indeed yep indeed definitely does that all their beers have that and it's just nice because you know at a glance on the shelf you just spin the can check it out and hey maybe that's for me maybe it's not and but. I like the, uh, I don't know, I like pictures. What's wrong with pictures, you know? Pictures are always good. That's what I I'm think saying. you and I are both visually minded people. I don't know about you, but I tend to have a photographic memory. Yep. Uh, cheers, mate. Cheers. Uh, I actually might let this one warm up a little bit. It says to keep it at 50, so we'll do that initial sip, and then I'm going to dive back into that. Mmm. Mmm. 
Might dive back into that a little little bit into the the recap here. Ready to, ready to take off, pal? Revving yeah. your engines? Mm. I'll sit shotgun and you steer. How about that? All right. So I got to do everything. Cool. That makes sense. That tracks. Hey, It'll be like the rally races. I just sit there strapped in and navigate. <laughs> it's an oval, Eric. I think I got to go straight and then you got to turn left. All right. Well, all right. either way, I'll navigate. All right. All right. Uh, cars 3. Uh, we start off. Uh, yeah, light the kind of a callback to Cars 1. Uh, Lightning doing his little warm up thing in the trailer. Uh, his little speech warm up thing i am speed there are two losers and one winner and i eat losers for breakfast blah 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 um which is then interrupted by mater uh mater's lightning opens his eyes and mater's sitting in his trailer with him which i don't maybe cars just don't have that great hearing but like how would you not know that another car is in the trailer like there's barely room for two in that thing you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, it was kind of weird. But uh, Mater ends, yeah. Lightning's like, hey, kind of needs a piece of quiet for this. Mater rolls out of the trailer and then starts yelling at everybody that Lightning needs quiet. You know, fun little fun little best friend bit. Um, and then we kind of get into the opening montage. I'm sorry, but picturing... I don't know, I've never thought of this, but picturing Owen Wilson and Larry the Cable Guy as best friends is kind of terrifying like if those two walked into the brewery and we're just yucking it up and just chumming it up at the bar i'd be terrified i'd be like i i, I just don't know i just don't know yeah like i feel like i don't know I, i'm sure larry the cable guy's like his character um is played up from what he normally behaves like there's no way oh of you course know, yeah there's no way but like i don't know what I can't like really put an idea on what Owen Wilson like is like in person. Like, I feel like he seems like mellow. You know, you never see yeah. anything about Owen Wilson in the news other than he's in another movie or something. Right. So he must be pretty mellow. Um, and Larry the Cable Guy, I don't know. Again, it's kind of like uh, Guy Fieri where his character that he plays on TV is a lot more than what he is like a lot more animated. I don't know. I imagine guy Fieri's that same way in real life, just bathing in barbecue sauce and telling his son, he looks out of bounds today and just making crazy noises and talking about how he's going to make some gangster omelets. What was the, is it a Billy and Mandy episode? It was a Billy and Mandy episode. Um, there's, there's, you know, the old cartoon, Billy and Mandy. Yeah. There's a Guy Fieri episode. No way. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that was it because it turns out Guy Fieri is a, no, it might not be that. Um, I have to look this up because it's going to destroy me. Um, Oh no! It's a it's an American Dad episode. Okay. American Dad episode. Um, Jeff, like the, the stoner husband of Haley. Yep. Um, he's just loves Guy Fieri, and like all of a sudden they start hanging out, and it turns out Guy Fieri is actually like a, a gluttonous demon, 
um, <laughs> that like possesses Jeff, and the only way to get rid of him, like, is to like go to this place in a jungle with this hot sauce that the demon can't eat, but or like the demon wants to try every flavor, but if he tries this flavor, he's vanquished. And uh, yeah, it's this whole this whole fun bit. Jeez. Yeah, it's a fun episode. I don't remember who it was, but someone not too long ago, probably within the last year, was like, dude, if you ever want a good time for like, you know, half hour, throw on some just just death metal and just watch like Triple D. Like Triple D on the screen muted with death metal playing. Or Triple D, Diners, Drive-Ins, yeah, yeah. and Dives, Guy Fieri, Food Network Show. Or just throw on like a compilation of that and then just play death metal. And it is, I'm not going to lie, for like the first five minutes, it was to me like I, my stomach hurt so bad from laughing. You're just watching this like frosted tip dude in flame shirt with his sunglasses on backwards, eating chicken wings and just drooling all over himself. Well, it's just like, and it, it could not be better. He's This man's just making a fool out of himself, just spilling ribs on his, his, his shirt like he's a toddler. Meanwhile, someone's just, like, getting their throat slit in a studio. Uh, speaking of Guy Fieri, or, yeah, Triple D muted with music, have you seen the, um, the Hurt, the uh, Johnny Cash Hurt, but over footage from that yes oh my god hurt it's just like like you it looks like there's tears swelling up in his eyes oh i think just... there is in one he's eating spicy food and it's like in slow motion he's just crying there's one where he like leans down on the line like at a restaurant and just like puts his head down on the cutting board and is shaking his head it's, yeah. yeah if you haven't if you haven't seen this video just do yourself a favor look up hurt guy fieri it should be like the first video that pops up yeah and if you have guy fieri dirt uh, we'd love to know hit us uh sudsbudspod at gmail.com i'm still trying to figure out whether this man is a national treasure or a, a plague to america you seem to think he's a plague but like a whole bunch of news stories came out like mid-pandemic about him just raising a shit ton of money for service industry workers like i don't know man it seems to care but... so did dave portnoy yeah we've been over this guy fury also had some stuff come out a number of years ago for not being so great to some of his staff on his tv shows so i just find the irony that these multi-millionaire business owners are are preaching you know keeping small businesses alive while they're shitty to their own employees of their large businesses it's a little it's a little a little weird sure you know sure. but uh i'm not gonna claim to know the whole story i'm also not gonna knock a man for um you know good philanthropy exactly. you know maybe, maybe a, a new leaf a new turned over a new sauce <laughs> I, I think usually in the kitchen world if the sauce is turned it means uh don't eat the sauce so. well bottling a new sauce i don't know man there's <laughs> there's some sort of friggin' saying here just imagine i did it turning over a new rib there you go out of bounds turn turning over a new rib yeah flipping a new burger <laughs> anyway if back you're to... still with us at this point we love you um yeah back to the first two minutes of cars <laughs> 
Uh, we, we just talk about our favorite Triple D episodes? I really like the one where they go to the, the supper club in Wisconsin and he eats chicken. I I want to see the one. I want to. <laughs> dumb. I want to <laughs> track down the one. Apparently he did uh, Holy Land up here or really? in the Northeast. Yeah. That's pretty cool. They got a, like a cardboard cutout of him in the restaurant. I know he's done a lot of places in Minnesota. I went to one in Stillwater that was like a pirate theme joint. He did the wings there. Mm. Uh, I forget what it's called, but okay. yeah, they did like rum cocktails. Like they barrel aged like rum cocktails, barrel aged quote unquote, but they'd make like their own, you know, batches that they'd have in house for however long. Kind of like a, a in house. Uh, I don't even know if you can say this anymore. Wop, wop, or or yucca. Both of those were kind of used. Um, synonymously but like the concept where you just take a some sort of container fill it with some sort of a fruit and then pour grain alcohol over it soak it for a predetermined period of time and then yep. you know bl- black out a room more <laughs> or less and uh yeah it's it's not quite moonshine it's it's something though yeah it might as well be yep i've made i've made some some wild batches of that stuff yeah yeah, yeah. everyone's got a different name for it jungle juice i think i've heard it called yep um uh we big group of my friends we, we do an annual river trip and uh i make one every year and every morning we go out to breakfast um it's like the one normal meal of the day we get because it, after that it's just drinking and being outside and yeah goofing around um so we always go into town and get breakfast. One of the guys didn't want to go, so he stayed back, um, just kind of hung out in the campsite. And that year, I wasn't able to get my normal like 10-gallon Gatorade cooler that I normally make it in and just kind of put some stuff together. Um, and so it ended up being like a styrofoam cooler with a big garbage bag as the liner and then like made it in that. And we get a text from him, like, halfway through breakfast, and he's like, it just said, hey, the guap broke. Like, he spelt it G-U-A-P. And we're like, so from then on, it's just been guap. Oh, man. Yeah. It broke. Yeah, the, the the styrofoam sides gave out, and it just went scorched earth on the grass around oh, it. Oh, man. Which is a bummer, but, like, thinking about it more. Um, Did you have, like, ice packed in there around it? Uh-uh. I feel like that would have fermented I don't know. Well, did we have ice around it? I don't remember exactly how we did it. I think normally I would make it. I'd make it first thing in the morning, like before breakfast. We'd go get breakfast. I'd come back and I'd ice it down just to kind of push that. Because, I mean, it's hot out, so kind of push the mixture a little bit quicker. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, re-ice it. And then by, like, noon to one, it was always good. We should make one of those one of these oh, days. Oh God, I don't know if I don't know if that's a great idea. Eric. But we'll use peppers. Instead. Eric, I'm very talented. <laughs> it's my art, you know. Yes, yes. Guap is my art. Well, speaking of your art, why don't you uh, tell us more about cars? I think you've only gotten about a minute in. <laughs> oh, oh, now, oh, now you he's concerned. You keep about sidetracking it. Yeah, yourself. Uh-huh. Sure. So anyway, about that episode where they ate chicken in at in Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I've seen that one. <laughs> Piece of shit. Um, anyway, so they're still in. Yeah, they're in the trailer. Mater comes out, tells everybody to be quiet. Lightning kind of finishes his bit. And then we go into like the opening montage of the movie. 
um, which is lightning. It's just race after race. Um, and it's kind of showing him and like the other, you know, top racers that like he's, they're friends with that pranking each other, kind of trading wins back and forth. Um, the Dynaco car, the new Dynaco car, kind of seems like he's like the punchline of all the jokes. Yeah. Dynaco went from being this prestigious racing team in the first movie that had the king. Mm-hmm. Um, not Chick Hicks, I forget what his name in the movie was. Um, Richard Petty's character. Yeah, but it, wasn't, um, it was just Mr. The King. Yeah, he had a full name that they said like once, but I forget what it was. Um, but yeah, now, you know, times change and, you know. Yeah, yeah, we got we got a new crew, um, but like I said, Lightning is now not middle of the pack. He's still front of the pack, but like he doesn't win every race. Um, yeah, and they're all friends, um, all kind of look you know similar. Um, and then there's a uh, one or one of the last or the last scene in this montage. Uh, this car catches up to him uh, and passes them right for the finish and it is what's that car's name something lightning um, oh um thunder uh, or, or no we're both wrong jackson storm jackson storm something weather something something with a j jackson storm um and jackson storm is the newcomer he's the new rookie uh that's kind of taking things over uh, much sleeker, faster looking car. Um, a little more boxy, whatever. Uh, a really tuned racing machine. Yes, he represents the new age of racing that happens, you know. Seems like every 20 years or so we kind of have these stock car models, silhouettes, I guess, if you will, that more or less uh, stay the same with, you know minor modifications and adjustments made over the years but structurally they look relatively similar and then you know every 20 years something really groundbreaking comes through and this is kind of representing that that new age of racing think you know i don't think it's ever implied that they're electrical cars but think tesla if you will yeah tesla got put into nascar or something like that and almost not boxy but like not like overly curved yes yeah and it sounds like, too, it's one of these things where these new cars undergo massive amounts of expensive engineering. I think in a lot of ways, this kind of parallels real life automotive making. Um, you know, in the movie, you see a car like um, Storm, you know, he's, you know, on this treadmill, or I guess in real life, it would be like a dyno machine. Um, and he's doing all these things, all this testing much like a star athlete would do, kind of, you know? Yeah. Um, just to um, basically gain minor improvements on the track. I, when I say minor, I think they mentioned something like, you know, Jackson Storm can go speeds upwards of 205 miles an hour. Yeah. And Lightning McQueen's averaging speeds at, like, 197 or topping out at 197. So, I mean, it's like he's the new age, but... It's not like it's a whole new... It's not like Lightning McQueen's irrelevant. I think he's just struggling with no longer being first. You yeah. know? For well, him, it's one of those guys that is like the if you ain't first, you're last kind of thing. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of where it evolves from or evolves into is 
all of a sudden, so Jackson Storm takes his first place in this race. He's never, Lightning's never heard of him. Um, and Jackson is kind of behaving like Lightning was in the first movie. Um, just real arrogant, um, making, taking jabs at, like, the old guys. Yes. Um, you know, being, being the rookie hotshot. Uh, and it kind of continues on like that. And then we get another montage of, jackson just winning race after race um and then some of his friends some of lightning's friends start retiring Mm -hmm. um and that's where that quote comes from like i one of the guys who retired says something along the lines of i asked my uncle how to or how do i know when i should quit and his uncle responded it's when the rookies tell you to quit um and so yeah lightning's friends start dropping out of racing retiring and then you're getting more and more of these new sleek cars in. Yeah. Um, and it kind of, it just keeps going a little bit by little bit. And all of a sudden, Lightning's the only, yeah, Lightning doesn't know anybody at one of the races. Yeah. It's all the newbies, all the, um, yeah, all these rookie drivers. And um, they're racing. He's getting past. He's kind of losing his his mental fortitude, and ends up spinning out and crashing. Yeah, basically no other cars involved. He's just you know basically tunnel vision and starts to lose it and swerves and uh, crash. Very similar to what the king had in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of reminiscent of that, but or or Doc Hudson or Doc Hudson. Yeah, yep. yeah. And that's, I mean, that's kind of the theme of this whole movie is lightning going through what Doc went through. Yes. And I think also they do a good job. They could have maybe done a better job, but I think they do a a sufficient job of kind of paralleling this with real life athletics or an aging um, performer, I guess, Mm -hmm. or or competitor, if you will. You know, it's kind of this... um, two track mindset where you got this one group of people where they're going to go at this and they're going to perform and compete till their body, their chassis in this case, no longer allows them to. And Mm -hmm. that is the day that they're done. They will, they will stop when their engine stops or when their legs stop. Mm -hmm. Then you got this other, you know, track that is, I'm going to go out on my own terms. I, I, I've, you know, played with and against, the guys that, you know, everyone says you're good, but you're not what you once were. Mm-hmm. And you got that one group of people that they never want to be that they're going to go out on their own terms. And I think McQueen really, like you said, that's this whole movie. And they set it up well in the first 15 minutes where we don't know what the decision he's going to make is. Yep. Is he going to let, you know, what for some would be and many would be a career ending injury, hang up his career. Or is he going to hang up his career when he wants to? So that's kind of, that kind of opens the second act, I think. Yeah. Um, so it kind of starts in with uh, lightning milling about in Doc Hudson's old garage, um, watching old films. We found out in that scene that he's since won three Piston Cups. Yeah. Yeah, so he's got his own share of Piston Cups. Um, we found out in the second one that they were renamed as, like, the Hornet Cup. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so Lightning has a pretty accomplished career at this point. But he's kind of like mulling over, like, but he's kind of stuck on this story. And it, the quote comes up a lot of times, but basically how Doc got into his crash and... You know, they, when he finally came back, they said, you're, you're out, you know, you're done. And Doc always thought he had more races in him. And that's kind of the mentality that Lightning is trying to avoid or not the, it's the mentality Lightning has is where he doesn't want people to tell him when he's done. Yeah. Um, so then he gets a call from his sponsors, Rusty's, um, and they invite him down to this new training facility. Yeah. So Lightning gets all geared up. He gets the whole crew back on and shows up at this training facility. Um, we find out that the Rusties guys, the Rust Buckets, um, have sold Rusties to, what's the guy's name? Sterling? Sterling, yep. Yeah, Sterling. Uh, big, yeah, billionaire something or other. Uh, Mudflap. The king of mudflaps, yeah. Um, who has built this whole high tech racing um, training facility? Yeah, and, and he's played by uh, Nathan Fillion. Is like this. He's like the shiny chrome car. I don't know exactly what kind of car he's supposed to be here, but got kind of like a Bentley or a Lincoln sort of look to him. Yeah. Um. But he. Yeah, kind of takes him on the tour. Uh, there's a bunch of Lightning McQueen memorabilia all over this giant facility. And then we get into the training room um, where there's... It had been referenced a couple times, but there's basically this big track simulator. And it helps racers maintain the perfect loop. Like, the, the yeah, optimal route for hitting the fastest turns on the course. Um, so that's what Lightning wants to do. He thinks that's what's going to make him the better racer is being on this thing. And then we're introduced to the, basically, yeah, the other main character of the story, uh, which is um, Cruz Ramirez. And she is the personal, yeah, the trainer for all of the racers at this facility. Voiced by Cristela Alonso, who I wasn't super familiar with before this, but she's got a number of credits um, and also had a self-titled um, ABC show, it looks like, for a while, a sitcom. So, but yeah, um, Cruz is modeled off of, I guess, a combination of like a Corvette, a Jaguar, and a Ferrari. So, sure, sleek looking car, pretty yellow car, but... Um, yeah, seems to suffer from some self-doubt and some issues like that, but it's also very much uh, a pleaser. Very yep. much there to help and assist other struggling cars in any way possible. So Yep. Um, and so she basically, immediately upon meeting Lightning McQueen, basically just starts kind of taking jabs at him for how old he is, using that to try to motivate him to become better. Um, Lightning doesn't respond well to this. There's a lot of back and forth, um, and eventually, um, Lightning breaks out of his training regiment and jumps on the, um, the simulator, and Cruz is telling him not to do this, he's not ready for it, he's got to work up to it, Lightning 
being the hot-headed hotshot, thinks that he is, and ends up basically destroying the simulator. Um, Does really poorly, and then tries to shake himself out of the simulator and drives straight through the screen. Mm -hmm. Uh, This kind of pisses off um, Sterling. Sterling tells him, basically kind of reveals his grand plan for why he's got lightning is he wants to turn him into a brand. Um, Like, retired, goes out on top, and here's all this Lightning McQueen merchandise. Yeah, at this point, he's gotten a brand new car wrap. Yeah. As well. I don't know if we mentioned that. Um, I I mean, it's it's kind of important, but... The only reason I mention it is this movie, more than any other, he goes through so many physical transformations. I mean, he starts out as the McQueen... By this point, we're not even at the halfway mark, or maybe just there. But, yeah. like, we've seen the McQueen he starts as, which is already a new version. Slightly different, you know, mm-hmm. upgraded. Crashes, and then he's just covered in primer McQueen. Yep. And then he gets the fancy new... It's not even a Rusty's wrap, is it? Or is it, it still is Rusty's? It is a Rusty's wrap, but it's a, it's a wrap instead of a paint job. And it looks really clean because it's reflective. It's like tracked and so it's a suit, they call it, I think. Yeah, it's got like trackers in it so they can monitor like vitals and whatnot. Yep. Um, and, but anyway, lightning crashes on this thing. Gets into <laughs> Lightning his, crashes. Yeah. Hey. Oh. He does. Um, and they get, or gets into this meeting where uh, Sterling's telling him like, you're done, like... We're going to use you as a brand. Like, you're going to make all this money, whatever. Lightning doesn't want to be done. And he ends up negotiating one final race to prove that he can still do this. Uh, But he's got to train to get faster. And Lightning's thing being uh, having his ego, you know, stepped on a little bit after the simulator is that he needs to be training outside. Yes. That's where he learns. Um so he Sterling agrees to this, but sends Cruz along with him, and they go down to this beach stretch, and a lot of back and forth. But he ends up he needs Cruz to be able to follow him closely to track his speed, uh, but Cruz can't drive on the sand. I believe isn't it the same spot where Doc crashed? No, that's not the spot. Fireball Beach was in, yeah, it was called Fireball Beach. I don't think this is where he crashed though. Because I thought there was a scene before that where he's arguing with Sterling and he looks out there and he's like, I need to train where Doc raced or something along those lines. And he points out to the horizon to the beach. I thought that was the same dirt track, the abandoned strip where Doc crashed, but maybe not. I don't, I guess I would would have missed that, but I feel like they would have made a bigger thing about that. I could be wrong though. Um... But anyway, they so Lightning basically ends up spending an entire day just teaching Cruz how to drive on sand so she can keep up to maintain or track his speed. Um, Lightning gets a little peeved about that, and they finish up, and he's like, I need to race against real racers, and sees this sign for, what's, it's hollow, um, something hollow. Yeah, I'm... Thunder hollow. That sounds right. Yeah, Thunder Hollow. Thunder, Lightning, Storm, it's a lot. Exactly. They, they kind of ran out of names. They, I mean, these movies have been ripe with puns since the get-go, so you can only do so much. Absolutely. Um, 
But anyway, they go to this Thunder Hollow thinking it's going to be like a oval dirt track. And it turns out it's a weird backwoods demolition derby um, crazy eight. And so it's just kind of the last one that survives. Also, not to interrupt and correct you, but to totally interrupt and correct you. Um, yeah. So this is speaking on about uh, Doc Hudson. He won three consecutive Piston Cups, 51, 52, 53, and he still held the record for most wins in a single season, 27. Also, the number of NASCAR Grand National Races won by Hudson Hornets in 1952. But all that changed when the famous Hudson Hornet uh, suffered a terrible crash on the track during the final lap of the 1954 Fireball Beach 500. Well, okay then. So, there's a lot of significance in uh, McQueen training there. It's whatever. It's fine. It It was breezed over, so it didn't mean a lot. It's the sands where Paul Newman was was paralyzed. Classic. Classic Paul. R.I.P. Paul. R.I.P. Paul. You make a fantastic dressing. That's true. Newman's best. Doc Hudson approved. Uh, yeah, I'm not even. No, nope. I'm not gonna keep on that joke line. Uh, <laughs> where were we at? Oh yeah, the Crazy Eight Circuit Demolition Derby. They figure out. They find out the rules are uh, last car standing wins um, and lightning. It's kind of like this weird chase scene sort of thing, but yeah, lightning... it's like a crazy eight, yeah, race, and yeah, like you said, you got to crash all the other cars, but also race, yeah. Um, and through a series of circumstances or a series of events, uh, Cruz ends up winning it, yes. Um, and this kind of pisses lightning off more, um, that he hasn't that basically it hasn't been about him. But in his defense, I don't know, like, the whole reason he was out was to go train. Mm-hmm. Um, but he ends up yelling at Cruz about how she's not a real racer, and this was supposed to help him get better, and it's been about her this whole time. Bunch of stuff. Um, and then Cruz kind of reveals her motivation is that she doesn't want to be a trainer. She's always wanted to be a racer. Yes. Um, but she's... She kind of blew a chance that, and she saw that as her only chance, and so now it's just become a trainer helping other racers get good, instead of being a real one herself. Yeah, that's um, spot on. Yeah, and there's kind of a falling out, and then Lightning realizes that he's been an asshole this whole time. Shocker. Go that's, figure. Yeah, exactly. Weird. Weird. Um. Uh, goes back or talk, ends up talking to Mater on an iPad and Mater basically brings up the well Doc was the best but well not the best uh, whoever trained Doc is probably better and it kind of gives lightning a, you know, a lightning bolt of an idea where he wants to go find the person who mentored Doc um, so he Goes out, finds Cruz, who had, like, drove off on her own. And they go to find, uh, what's his name? Smokey. Old Smokey. Uh, who is, yeah, Doc Hudson's mentor. They go to this small town, run down racetrack, uh, do some laps. And 
Then there's Smokey uh, on the track. Voiced by uh, Chris Cooper. Yeah. Um, Smokey brings them to the local watering hole uh, where they meet a bunch of other old famous racers. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of get a big montage of those old racers training lightning, um, but also training uh, crews at the same time. Yes. Or using crews to help train lightning, which then gives her, yeah, some training also. Um, so they're doing this whole thing, and they're getting better. Again, big Rocky-style training montage. Um at first, getting his ass kicked, and then you go back to the same exercise, and eventually they're kicking ass. Um, then that's pretty much it until the final race here. Um, so they, yeah, finish the training regiment. Lightning doesn't win his final like exercise against Cruz, but they make it to the race anyway. Um, and kind of just fires off from there. Smokey's the new pit chief. And they're going around, but Sally keeps helping to coach Lightning into the proper turns, doing the proper stuff. But then Sterling shows up and kicks Sally or Cruz off the track. Um, Lightning gets pissed about that, gets Cruz back, and actually subs Cruz in for him and takes over as the pit chief. Um, coaching Cruz through. Cruz, through a whole bunch of different stuff, ends up uh, neck and neck with Storm. Uh, yeah, what's his name? Jackson Storm. Yep. Uh, Storm tries to get into her head, ends up, and she fights through, ends up winning the whole race uh, as her first race. Actually, well, via second. using one of the drills that they used where they... Um sent the cars in a, a field of tractors to kind of imagine the the gaps. She kind of uses that to catch up to Storm. She kind of, you know, they're in her ear cheering her on, and she's, you know... Picturing a bunch of tractors on a course. Yep, and it kind of helps her overcome some of that self-doubt. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just ends up getting through, uh, winning the race, um, and because both Lightning and Cruz raced in it, Lightning gets to decide when he's done racing. Um, decides to take over as a crew chief. And, I mean, it's just kind of like small story wrap-up after wrap-up. But, yeah, um, Lightning ends up becoming Cruz's uh, mentor. Yep. Um, Cruz takes on Doc Hudson's old number. Um, she goes to race for Dynaco. And Dynaco buys out Rusty's from Sterling. So it's just kind of one big happy ending. What did you think of McQueen's final look? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, like, I got it. Like, Sally takes the number and he takes, like, that blue Doc Hudson color. But he's like, ah, it should look good. I'm like, I don't know, the red was kind of your thing. Not that I didn't like the color, I just thought it was weird. Yeah, I guess it might be kind of tough to change a costume on a character that iconic like mm-hmm. throughout a trilogy of films. It's kind of like Batman. I mean, that's a horrible comparison to compare Lightning McQueen to Batman. But, yeah. like, Batman's had a million different color or, like, costume variations and stuff. But, like, if you made Batman all orange, it would kind of be like, hmm. Yeah. 
I don't know. I really liked the color of blue that like Doc Hudson had. I just wish like I think they could have done the final character design a little better. He still had the red rims would bug me. Mm-hmm. But like I think you give that same character design like I mean, we're getting into the minutia of the cars, but you know that nice dark blue with like some white walls and some black rims, sick. Yeah, you know. But that would have just looked like Doc Hudson then. Yeah, but I mean that's yeah. kind of what they were going for, right? Well, that's true. Uh, but then lightning ceases to exist because I guess. Yeah. What I, I wasn't crazy about the red rims, but I feel like they could have just done more with like a blue and red mix instead of just going all Doc Hudson blue. And then, I mean, he had his name even changed on the side as the fabulous Lightning McQueen, well, that's which how is you, a callback. But. That's how you can set them apart, I think, is regardless. Even if you do a copy and paste color palette from Doc, mm-hmm. if you just cover him in stickers, he still has his identity. Because, like, yeah. the Doc we saw, it, granted, in flashbacks, I think he had numbers on him, but the Doc we saw was just, like, your classic, like, church-going car. Yeah. You know. Sunday driver. Sunday driver, totally stock beautiful car if anyone listening is a car person look up the 1950s hudson hornets oh my gosh talk about just like just a time capsule of like mid-century american automotives i'm geeking out here but just like the the lines and the angles that those cars had are so extreme compared to now where it's like i think there was a camaro a few years ago that got recalled the prototype did because the grill was too sharp you know granted you're not gonna cut your hand on it but it was too sharp to like pass crash test ratings and things like that oh okay but you look at cars back then i mean they were driving missiles yes chromed out you know sharp pointed edges hood ornaments you know big fairings and fins and you know angles that just kind of defied aerodynamics um yeah man it it's weird it's Seeing cars, like, I'm I'm not a car guy in the sense that I know how to work on cars, but seeing cars from that time period makes me nostalgic for a time that I never really knew, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. They're a little boaty for me. Yeah, but I yeah. mean, they're exactly like what you said. Yeah. It's a Sunday driver. You're not going to take it to work at the brewery, and you're probably not going to quarter mile it at the, the local speedway. But well, what's the point then? I know. I know. It's it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. It's it's shocking that it's taken of us, uh, you know, almost 150 years of automotive manufacturing in the U.S. to come up with vehicles that are practical, reliable, and high performance you know used to kind of be like pick one you yeah, know <laughs> you, can, you can have one of those even european cars like it's kind of been the thing with like um a lot of italian cars you know the thing has always been like their styling is so dynamic and ahead of its time or even just timeless but good luck finding a 10 year old ferrari that's on the road <laughs> you know what i mean yeah no it's, yeah they're not really built to last they're built to be driven fast and when the Le Mans, things like that. It's, uh, cars is a weird world, and so is the Cars movie world, but I'm glad that you were the one that I was able to take along with on this ride. Uh, it, oh, whoa, 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 I was steering, you were shot. That's right, that's belt. right, I was navigating. Exactly. We're doing it the old school way, no Siri in this car, it was just me and a... Siri? A map. Are you said, are you said Siri to navigate? 
No Siri. You using Apple Maps? No Google Maps either. Do you either. use Apple Maps? Eric, no you Google need to answer Maps, this question No right onboard now. navigation. No, Eric, no Alfred. No Tesla. Eric, do you use Google Maps or Apple Maps? Answer the question. It depends. Eric, it shouldn't depend. It depends. Apple Maps is trash. I have all three, actually, the major ones. It's the third one. Waze. Now that one. Yeah, but like, didn't Google buy Waze anyway? They might have, but... Pretty sure they did. I, and I'm not going to lie to you, I actually used MapQuest not too long ago. Did, Why don't we review this beer, Eric? No, no, let me let me explain this to you, okay? Okay. The MapQuest was one where I had to get somewhere, not too far away, mm-hmm. but an area that I don't go too often. Sure. Right? And I kind of wanted to just figure it out before I left. I wasn't going to print it off, you know, this isn't 2009. Sure. Um, but I wanted to like, I'm like, I know I got to get to this place like 20 minutes away and I probably have to make three turns. I just want to know what they are. My phone was also kind of on the fritz at the time. Sure. So I'm like, I just want to be able to drive, listen to some Pearl Jam and, and not have to worry about this wasn't 2008 where I'm going. (laughs) I swear it wasn't. And, uh. Yeah, so shout out to MapQuest. I pulled it up. It was actually like four turns, but uh, it got me there. And uh, yeah, try it sometime. Disconnect from your device. Don't use Apple Maps. Just don't do it. Bad Apple Maps. No. What's your gripe with Apple Maps? Apple Maps, I've I've had the uh, distinct displeasure of having to use it three times. And every single time it takes me in either the wrong direction or like a weird really long route there was once it had me get off the interstate drive through like a weird downtown area like just almost a loop not a not a loop but like this it had me do some weird shit and it wasn't until like the third turn that i had my navigator actually look at what it was trying to get me to do and then it just put me back onto the interstate. Like, it took me off into downtown and then put me on roughly one exit later after scooting through this downtown for, like, ten minutes. And I was like... I, it wasn't even like there was a backup. Like, you know how, like, Google Maps will do that, like, if there's a big backup section or, like, a traffic accident or traffic jam or whatever... It might give you an option to go a different route. It wasn't even that. Because when I got off the interstate, I was like, oh, that's kind of weird, but okay. Nope. It was just like, get off the interstate, do this, this, and this, and then get back on the interstate. It's like, why? Yeah. Just, yeah. I've, I've heard of people that have had horror stories, but I've never really had anything like that with any of them. I, I will say I like the top-down view before I confirm my trip that I get from Apple via Google. I mean, that's what Google Maps has standard. Yeah, but I know. I'm just saying, like, the interface, if you type in a destination, you're to and you're from, and it'll give you, like, your three options, you know? Yeah. I like the top-down grid that you get from the Apple Maps better than Google. I don't know if it's easier to read it at a distance or if it's something about the way they have their road set up is more, like, visually pleasing, but I like their traffic routes where it's just you get the nice blue line three of them maybe the areas where it's bottlenecked you get the they're basically the same thing yeah i just think i personally like apples a little better 
I will use Google if I'm routing myself up somewhere, but I have an iPhone and I know you can change the settings. I have mine set and I'm being honest where like if you send me an address and I just click that address, I don't copy paste it. It's going to open the Apple maps. I've never had an issue where it's routed me wrong. I've had an issue like delivering pizzas. I noticed where Apple maps might send me a block up past the house that I need to get to. But you know, it's never done that to me. Google Maps. Yeah. Never once has it gotten me to the wrong address. Yeah, well, you know what also probably wouldn't is your what? brain. If you'd actually just, you know, think a little bit and do a little work for yourself and not be so dependent on the Android, you simpleton. Mm, well, see, I guess it's the difference is I can actually depend on my Android because it works and it functions like a normal normal phone. And, and you constantly talk to me about wanting to get a quote-unquote Jamie for this podcast to pull things up, because I know you're a huge Joe Rogan guy. But uh, it seems like you uh, you know Google pretty well yourself. So, uh, Nate, tell you what, why don't you uh, pull up <laughs> Jackass on Google? That's, uh, not not see, the movie. Just, not the movie? If I just type just, in... Just Jackass. Let me see what I got here. Um, I'll look this up. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, it's taking a little bit here. All right, well... Oh, here, I found it. Right here. Uh, you pulled up Alex Drenko's home base profile, which, which is, home bases are what, how we clock in for work, and Alex what, Drenko's a co-worker. But what's that picture there? So you're taking what's shots that, at a guy that that's probably... There? I can't see. You're holding a cell phone up in a dark room. It looks like a picture of a handsome lad. Is that Alex? <laughs> that's not Alex, New actually. profile photo? Uh, it is his new profile photo, but it is your driver's I- driver's license photo on his home base as his character. Oh, nice. Yeah, well, it's classy. Shout-outs to two good guys. Uh, Alex Drenko, uh, one-time, maybe two-time guest of the show, and and me. <laughs> Shout it out himself. Jackass. Someone's got to do it. <sighs> um, well, you know who's not a jackass? is mr chase hell yeah shout out to you chase uh recommending us alesmith speedway the imperial stout brewed with coffee from sunny san diego california just down the pch from us mm-hmm. um i actually i'm pretty glad i let mine warm up or get them out like it yeah. really it leveled out a lot Fresh out of the can, it was a little too cold. It pulled a lot of that alcohol flavor. Definitely get more coffee as it warms up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's... I'm kind of the opposite. I think I got a little boozier as I let it sit, but I definitely pulled more coffee. Yeah, I pulled more coffee. I got some, like, dates out of it almost. Um, definitely got that caramel. No, it was a nice... They did a really good job blending all those flavors together without it being, like... You know, a lot of those stouts can be overly sweet. Yeah. Especially when they get into that Imperial level. This didn't seem to do that for me. Yeah. No, it, it was rich. I'm glad we split one. I'm also glad I grabbed a four-pack, though, because I will be, you know, I'll send you one for the road, and then I'll I'll definitely be pleasantly sipping on this um, in the coming di- nights. But uh, I, I've said it before, I'll say it again, stout is not my go-to style of beer, but I've grown a appreciation for most styles of beer i have that with stouts and porters it's just not my go-to order but i love coffee and Mm -hmm. i love coffee in my beers and uh yeah so this 
this is a good stout with some good coffee notes to it. Um, I'm ranking it high, man. Um, I'm going to give it a 4.4. We don't do a lot of stouts on this show. It's probably one of the, um, the lesser covered styles of beers here by the suds buds but even in the winter episodes we're like eh, maybe it's also a lot guys you know it's um if if we can kind of what we try to do here is you know if we can we've said it before too if we can drink something and recommend something and have someone listen and go out and try it we are all better off because of it but doing heavy beers like this means we probably just have to drink fewer beers Yep. So I know for some of those nice summer episodes, it's fun to do exactly. the three Pilsners, you know? Exactly, because they're all crushable, and I can drink three of them. Yeah, and I got stuff to do tonight, and I'm probably not going <laughs> to have three of these. But, you know, there's a time and a place for it, and if you want to feel saucy on some dark suds, check out Ale Smith's Speedway Stout. So 4-4 uh, four, four from me, I believe I said. Yep, 4-4. Four, four. Um, I'm going to go a little bit higher than that, actually. I'm going to put it at 4, probably 4-5. Four, nice. And I'm not just doing that to one-up you. Um, one thing, with especially with Imperial Stouts, is they, for some, like, again, they they you almost use sweetness to cover the alcohol. Um, and this one didn't do that. Like, there was alcohol in it, but it hit it well. Like, it was brewed well where it wasn't just all that boozy. But 12% basically sitting kind of disguised as, like, a nice, sweeter coffee. Um, Yeah, they really knocked it out of the park with this one. Hell yeah. So, 4-4 and 4-5? Yep. Let's review. That's uh, the Alesmith Speedway Stout, San Diego, California. Very tasty. Um, Yeah would recommend and Mm -hmm. if you want to hear us drink a beer that you yourself like um feel free to message us that's what chase did and it worked out we're we're men of our words (laughs) uh yeah hit us up on gmail or instagram we check them both pretty frequently so that's uh sudsbudspod on both of them uh sudsbudspod at gmail.com or sudsbudspod on instagram and remember s-u-d-z B-U-D-Z-P-O-D, like the the new metal band. (laughs) And uh, 2008, here we come. Yeah, we hope to hear from you. Also, Chase hit us with a nice ka-chow, which I really appreciated. (laughs) On brand, on brand. Very good. Very thoughtful. Very thoughtful. Well, thanks for tuning in to the first half of the show. We're going to take a quick little break here, and we will be back with some fun facts, another beer, And some music. Is it Randy Newman? Probably. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Stay tuned. goes Lightning McQueen, Bobby Swift, and Cal Weathers. These three are fun to watch, aren't they, Daryl? You know, Bob, I can't tell if they have more fun on or off the track. You getting a car wash too, Cal? No, you're getting a car wash, McQueen. Get them back, Cal. We gotta run that race. We gotta run.
is up, everybody? You're listening to S-U-D-Z-B-U-D-Z, Suds Buds Radio. In the next hour, we've got some phenomenal tunes coming up from artists like Dizzy Gillespie, Thelonious Monk, and Miles Davis. So don't miss that. In the meantime, I'm going to pass the ball to my co-host, Mr. Nate Umpadel. Bounce. This isn't going to take an hour, and none of those artists will be featured on this next segment. We do not have the copyright for any of those phenomenal artists, so instead you will hear our voices, unfortunately. We're, so, without... We're a delight to be around. An absolute delight. And without further ado, let's crack open the conversation. Woof, that's a, that's a close spillage. I'm going to say it's... It's right on top, but it's all good. Get it. Ah, glad I'm wearing black shorts. Hey. I'm struggling here with this poor. Nate's closing the studio door. Kick in the door, close the studio door. I'm falling asleep and he's pouring a beer. Something, something, cabs are here. Maybe worth mentioning, maybe not, while we're pouring Ooh, these beers. Perfect pour again. Look at you. Nate and I had have some. Have you been sp- practicing? I have, I have. But one thing I have not been practicing is my NBA hang oh time. Oh my god. Self-admittingly struggling against Nate. Um, I thought it was just when he played as Hakeem Olajuwon in the 1996 NBA Rockets, but he's just really good, man. I just I ball hard, you know. You're rise and grind, ball hard. It's a testament to you being a Nintendo boy because <laughs> you are not a basketball guy. Nope. I am. Yep. You are not an old school sports guy. Nope. I am. Yep. You did not grow up on this game. Nope. I did. Yep. And Nate just, you know, man, putting a Nintendo controller in his hand is like putting a a, a, a ladle in a chef's hand, which we'll talk about next week with Ratatouille. Yeah. <laughs> Super excited for that one. Um but yeah, man, you kind of tore it up today. He played against me as the, I don't even remember. I did. The Knicks. You put up some crazy points with uh, Patrick Ewing. I did. Yep. Um, yeah, it didn't matter. I was pulling out, you know, well, you... Allen Iverson and, and Jerry Stackhouse, and I was pulling out John Stockton and, and the mailman Carl Malone. And the last game was the closest game. The third time I thought was going to be a charm. We went into yep. double overtime. John Stockton was shooting oh. ice cold from the three-point line. It, there was some real stupid shots on that one. Yeah, I was popping threes like they were going out of style. But I'll be honest, it wasn't, you know, 100%. I think I ended up about 13 to 28, which is an insane amount of threes to shoot. Yes. But, uh... Did yeah. you well you made you made your half court shot that game. I made a half court, was you it, made a full court the game before. I did make a full court shot. I didn't even it wasn't even a buzzer beater, like I accidentally just pressed shoot and he made it. Yeah, it's like the the blessing and the curse of having a game that has three buttons. You got run, shoot, pass, and they double as run, jump, and rebound, and you like were on defense. Yep. Went for a jump for a rebound. Got the ball. Got the ball. Didn't think you got it, so you tried to like hit the steal button, and you ended up just chucking up a half court or a full court prayer, and just nothing but net. Like, but we will be getting another round of that in after recording. Maybe the fourth time's a charm. Maybe. I don't know. 
And when I beat you, I will let everybody know. Maybe I'll have a screenshot to 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 memorialize that moment. We really are gonna start having to put some like random shit we talk about on the Instagram. Yeah, we should. We should get better at photos. I mean, I kind of went to film school, and you're kind of a graphic designer, so I feel like uh, we're only got ourselves to blame here. So I feel bad saying I do graphic design and then posting the shit that we post. Ah, people love it. I. The ten people that that like it and the six bots that say DM us each week, uh, they they love it. They it's, love it. It's it's a lot of fun. Like they're really really dumb fun graphics to put together, and it's also fun just rebuilding every single one of the Disney or the Pixar logos. Bet like they do some really cool logos and, and creepy shit like making me Mike Wazowski or Lightning McQueen. <laughs> that Lightning McQueen one was rough. Mike Wazowski, me as Mike Wazowski, was the background of our boss's computer Yep, for about a week there. It's pretty weird. It scared the shit out of me even when I opened it. Yep. Um, yeah, so thanks, Nate. Yeah, no problem. Happy to help. Shout out to the guy that makes the lovely graphics, Mr. Nate Wadapadel. <laughs> I'm going to always say it as I that. I don't know now. how no, I've, I, this isn't a joke I've never heard that before. And it's great, right? Yep, that's pretty good. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't hate that. <sighs> All the time. Yep. It's just going to be what up, Padel. Yep. <laughs> love it. Love it. New this discoveries is, this every is day. This is why we do this. You know, this is our art. Every day we get a little older, but that's no excuse to stop discovering. Hey. Always learning. Stop ruining this with cinnamon. Cinnamon ruins nothing. Watch you dive into these fun facts, pal? I feel like riffing. <sighs> All right. Did you know? 24 painfully slow seconds. That's exactly how long the dramatic slow motion crash scene in which Lightning McQueen hits a wall and rolls several times takes. 24 seconds. I guess I hadn't really considered it, but it was a very, very long scene. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're just watching it, like, especially like on that first turn where it's like you see the smoke and you see debris, but he's not even on screen yet. And then, like, it rolls through, and he's already, like, beat up, and you know what's about to happen. Yeah, and, like, they slow it and speed it, and there's a lot of cuts, and it's a, it's a common trope, some would say. Some would also say maybe an enhancement uh, for, for action films, a little technique. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in film school, there was always kind of these little jokes or memes or YouTube pages of people that would, you know, spoof or do breakdowns of just kind of irrelevant scenes in in americana you know popular films and i remember there being one where someone like broke down this scene in one of the taken films i don't remember which one of the five but i don't know there's at least three you might be right though it's a scene though where you know from the the start of this dissection to the end liam neeson runs up to a fence he jumps the fence that is the scene that is the action that we see and there's like something insane, like twenty five camera cuts, <laughs> like, you know, r- runs, cut, jump, cut, one foot on the fence, cut, hand on the fence, cut, slides down, cut, pulls himself up, cut, pulls a leg over the fence, cut, pulls another leg over the fence, cut, jumps off the fence, cut, looks back, cut, looks forward, cut, looks down, cut, runs, cut, <laughs> fence still shaking, cut. It's like what the fuck. I'm gonna have to go back and find that scene because I, it's like it, it's not until you point something like that out where you're like, why would you do this? 
Yeah. This is, you spent a lot of time and effort to do this one quick thing. There's some a couple really good ones. Like the the one channel I really am a big fan of is um, Honest Movie Trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, they just do a really good job of just kind of spoofing movie trailers and, you know. They're good at judging a book by its cover. <laughs> um, and then there's another one. I forget the name, but it's three guys, maybe more now. But they're like a little production house, little little uh, maybe post-production house, rather. They're a bunch of editors and graphic designers, motion graphic designers. And uh, they kind of break down your CGI scenes and your blockbusters. A lot of Avengers stuff. And they point out some glaring errors that are, you know, displayed across 50-foot screens and major cinema plexes and it's pretty crazy to see because you'd probably get a kick out of it as a a designer i watch it and i'm like that is horrendous but i i wouldn't even be able to take a stab at something and make it look close to that good but it's like the fact that someone can make a thanos and something like this piece of shit makes it on screen is i remember one of the ones specifically was like the fight scene between killmonger and black panther Mm -hmm. there's a lot of issues they had with that scene um but Hmm. yeah Uh, yeah, if if you remember later send me send me a link to that because that would be a lot of fun to watch yeah definitely well and they got a ton of stuff like i said they're basically like editors by trade that found gold and just breaking down major blockbuster films you know i Mm -hmm. think they're more like freelancers but they break down like top level production jobs Hmm. so kind of cool Lots of fun facts today. Not really, so that's why I'm filling time. <laughs> uh, did you know the crash caused by Cam Spinner in the Florida 500 is similar to the crash caused by Chuck at the Dynaco 400 in the first film? Excuse me, Chick. My bad. Chick Hicks. Is that the crash from the very beginning? That's the... No. Yeah. Cam... No, no, no. Cam Spinner. Because he doesn't cause that. Which one does he cause? Cam Spinner. Trying to remember which one Cam Spinner is, because no one caused Lightning's crash, and there was the crash. Oh, oh, the um, the Cam Spinner one is um, shit. It's the one with Doc Hudson, like where Doc Hudson was trying, or Cam Spinner was trying to like run Doc into the wall. Yep, you're right. You're right. It's uh, it's the throwback one. Yeah. I don't even know if Cam Spinner has any speaking lines. I'm trying to find Cam Spinner in the cast, and I'm coming up with nothing. I don't so. think so. I don't think there's any speaking lines. That makes more sense. The Florida 600, because I'm like, were they even ever in Florida in this movie? But I guess they were. That's probably where the beach was, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, did you know we got? Five distinctive looks for the number 95 car, that being Lightning McQueen. Um, So McQueen still sports the dynamic number 95 on his signature Lightning Bolt graphicked out red car. Um, But he also displays five distinct looks in Cars 3 besides that, including one that pays homage to his original paint. uh, A primer look that he gets following a devastating crash and a custom wrap ordered by Sterling. I also don't know if they count the mud disguise, but that might be one. So, kind of cool. Yeah. Um, did you know? 198 miles per hour. Lightning McQueen tops out at a speed of 198. 
on his last lap with Cruz Ramirez on the Fireball Beach. But Lightning's nemesis, next-gen racer Jackson Storm, races at speeds pushing 207 miles per hour. So Didn't he set the record with 214? I believe that's right, yes. Yeah. I wonder what the fastest actual NASCAR lap is. Or is that in your fun facts? I don't have that one, but I do think it's funny that they made a major point of like talking about these high-tech cars in this one. Because, I mean... Storm is still definitely supposed to be, like, modeled after a new age NASCAR mm-hmm. car. Oh. Uh, here it is. The um, Talladega has the recorded or recorded for the fastest recorded time by a NASCAR vehicle on a closed oval course with a record of 216.300 or 309 miles. By who? Set by Rusty Wallace. Damn, that's insane. Um, I was going to say, though, they made a big point of talking about the engineering in these cars, but Cars 2 actually featured Indy cars, which, look this up, what's the fastest track speed recorded for an Indy car or a Formula 1 car? Because um, those cars, I gotta imagine, they they push like 240 miles an hour, I'm pretty sure. I mean, and, that's kind of what, like, they're, they're kind of built for that, like, oh, let's see. Yeah, yeah but... Fastest, yeah. More laps fell during the build-up to the race. Ludeski set a practice lap record of 237.774 miles per hour. It's crazy, though. Imagine what a car like that would do on an oval track. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Before he shattered his time racing out to an average speed of 239.26. And those are road races. Yeah, that's, those are that's closed tracks. You've got straightaways, you've got left, you got rights, you got hairpins, you got NASCAR, they are made to do one thing, and that is go fast on straights and hug the corners on lefts. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. Yep. And so yeah. Kind of weird that they put so much emphasis and speed when we were already introduced to cars that in you know, cars two could do probably two hundred plus in their sleep. Um, I forget, what was the one car that Sally kept geeking out over? Oh, um, Francesco. Yeah, Francesco. Yeah. Yeah, so Francesco would be kind of like what we're talking about in the real high performance, but uh, I digress. Moving along. Uh, Did you know the opening scene of the film mirrors the opening scene of the first movie where Lightning is saying, speed, I am speed. Um, Yeah, this routine is basically mirrored um from the first movie as well as the accompaniment uh with the same kind of cuts showing cuts from black to cars racing so okay so formula one's actually not that much faster 161 is the top formula one okay speed um but then i also looked up fastest cars yeah fastest land speed record 300 uh it is 763 miles an hour. Jesus. Yep. Uh, it's the official land speed record measured over one mile. So how would that, how long would that, I mean, that would take a tenth of a, no. that take a tenth of a second? No. How much would, how, what would that take? That would take under one second. It would have to. We will see a time in our, our, lifetime where commercial automotive manufacturers will be able to engineer and produce 
and sell something in theory that can go faster and much faster than what the human body can withstand. And when you talk about 700 mile an hour land speed record, I mean, you know, that's imagine what something autonomous can do within our lifetime, because these, these speed records, the ceiling is not based on how fast we can go. There's a cap on that. It's how fast can you make a machine that will go because it will yep. get to a point where there will not be someone manning it in a cockpit. That would be like the most dangerous part of it is having someone man it in a cockpit. And even if you don't crash, even if it goes successfully and you take off and you peak and you slow down and you come to a rest, your body will be like Play-Doh if we get to a point where you're going like 1,500 miles an hour through sand dunes. You know what I mean? Yep. It's... uh or excuse me salt flats i think that's where they race yeah. a lot but that's also what every song by the black keys is written on salt flats well you just anytime you listen to a black keys song just imagine a car driving around on the salt flats and that's all of their songs do they specifically mention it nope it's just every single one of their songs sound like a high performance expensive car commercial Every single one of them. I'm, see, I'm not a huge Black Keys fan, but I'm also not the biggest blues guy in the world. Sure. I like blues in passing. If there's a bar and someone's playing some live blues, I'm into it, but I don't just drive around and listen to blues. So I always kind of picture Black Keys as more like Louisiana bar music. Yeah, it, like, well, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit later, but like all of their songs sound like a car commercial driving with the sweeping videos on the salt flats. Like every single one of them. It's good driving music. I'm not going to argue with you there. Maybe that's why they got a song in this movie, but we'll mm. touch on that later. Uh, did you know that Mr. Drippy, the water truck, at the Thunder Hollow Demolition Derby, when he falls on his side, he makes the same noise as the tractors when they tip over the big glug glug followed by presumably what's supposed to be a fart yep yeah so he does the same thing and that's actually what shoots out water which is weird so in that case i guess he shit himself and cleansed lightning mcqueen in the process which is interesting yeah yeah that's that's a fun fact yeah yeah fun yeah fun and last but not least, did you know that Todd, the Pizza Planet truck, can be seen in the Demolition Derby race as a competitor? His roof rocket is briefly featured when it flies off into the crowd after he ends up in a crash. So, there you go. Also noticed in this one, didn't write this down, but the A113, I believe is the number that Pixar frequently uses, was on one of the cars, uh, or one of the doors at uh, Sterling's performance facility when the door closed or opened for is sterling it, and mcqueen yeah, to exit his big office number yep yep so but yeah that takes us to the end of our fun facts i'm gonna give myself a little reload on this foamer I'll use a little bit yeah we didn't even bring up the beer you i suppose we it. didn't we poured it and we didn't even talk about it now's a good time um, so we are drinking a beer from Spiral Brewing out of Hastings, Minnesota. And sticking with the Cars theme, this is Hard Left. It's their stout. Comes in at 6.3 alcohol percent by volume. And, uh, yeah, not a lot of literature here. 
which is kind of nice sometimes. Just says brewed by Spiral Brewing off of, uh, I believe that's 111 2nd Street East, Hastings, Minnesota, U.S. of A. You got a nice so. little downtown area. Would would recommend their downtown. There you go. You heard it from Nate himself, the mm. man who frequently goes out there for lunch dates with his grandfather because he's a sweet man. Well, he's. Uh, I mean, he's. Yeah, you've never met him, but he's. He's a nice guy. I like my grandpa. Yeah. Yeah. And you're all right too. Oh well, yeah. You're fine. <laughs> Average at best. Yeah. So I'm liking this. I got some thoughts on it. Yeah, it's not bad. Um. We want to do uh, music. Yeah, we'll do music. We, I don't know if the villain in this one really warrants it. Whatever, we're gonna put him in the roster. No, we're not. We're not gonna put him in the roster. No. Okay. We'll talk about it. You can. You can yeah. argue. All right, I'll make my points. Some music. Um, not a whole lot here for music, but we do have a soundtrack featuring "Run That Race," an original, sung and written, er, sung, written and performed by Dan Auerbach of the Black Keys. And he said it's a song about uh, never giving up and always trying your best. Real original. And uh, Arbach says that the filmmakers showed him the story and some dialogue. And based on that, he was able to piece together the material for the song. Um, The soundtrack also features Ride, which is an original song performed by ZZ Ward. No, not ZZ Top. And it features Gary Clark Jr., and that was also released as a single on April 14th, 2017. Um, the film's score was composed by Pixar's frequent collaborator, Randy Newman, huh. who previously composed the first film's score. Um, yeah, and last but not least, Tom McDougall, Disney's executive vice president of music, said that Newman has a real connection to the Cars world, and that his ability to capture the feelings on this film, its characters, locations, and the Americana theme throughout this extraordinary... Hang on. And the Americana theme throughout... Oh, excuse me. Throughout is extraordinary. The music is so naturally fluid and inspired. It really feels like Randy is coming home with this score. So... Some kind words there by Mr. McDougal. Mm, I, I wasn't crazy about the, the music on this one. Um, even that Black Keys song. It was, it was fine. It just felt... When did that one play? That is the like the opening montage scene. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. It felt... Remember in the first movie where there's that scene where like it's a Randy Newman song performed by whoever, and it's literally just describing what's happening on screen. Remember that one, like yep. through the town yep. thing. That's what that song felt like to me. Sure. I'm like, we're gonna run this race, and like they just said that like ten times. A little like, on the nose. Yeah, which, like, you'd almost think is better, but a lot of times that just, I don't know, it's a little gimmicky. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't you don't need to say it. You could just have the music playing. But like, you know, I I wasn't crazy about that. There wasn't a lot of music in this one. I was like, oh yeah, this this is nice. Yeah, and I think again we just have to remember too that we are critiquing, you know, children's films here. Yes. And I think 
the Cars series more than any of them really lays into the marketing of children's films. Um, I mean, Lightning McQueen, as much as we knocked him, probably one of the more marketable Pixar oh, protagonists. I mean, kids, like, ages 2 to 10 love Lightning McQueen. I remember when that movie came out, like, all my friends' little brothers had the toys and the video games and the action figures, and it was just like... It, I, Maybe it's just attractive, it's visually appealing, you know, it's bright, it's red, it's smiling and happy. I don't know, but maybe to the adult size, Lightning McQueen is not um, as palatable of a character, whereas to kids, you know, they're all about it. And next week, I think we'll talk about a film that's more, it's probably got a little bit more to chew on for adults. Ratatouille is, while it is visually a, a stunning movie and a great children's film, Man, I watched that movie again last night, and I will watch it again before we record, and was just like, there's multiple times in that movie where, we might be jumping the gun, but just a little prelude to next week's episode, um, there's multiple Pixar movies that have very heavy subject matter, that mm -hmm. if you told me you teared up in those scenes, I would not blame you, I'm like, I am right there with you, they're heavy. Ratatouille, not so much, but it's just there's moments that are so just visually stunning and just moments of just beauty where it's like, you know, much like a fine dish, you know, you've got this beautiful scenery and this great musical accompaniment, you know, the architecture, the fashion, and it just like it's Ratatouille is... And again, this isn't a rating for our next episode, but it um, there's an argument there that it might be the finest just whole piece of work that Pixar has made. I don't, I don't think you're far off. Um, I, I don't know. It's for sure one of my favorite Pixar movies that's been made. Um, they just do such a good job. Like literally every part of it is just. If it's not. If the story is not overly driving in parts, the visuals pick up for it. Like it can, it does this really nice balance of like, either it's a very visually appealing story kind of flat area, or vice versa. Yeah, like there's always something happening that's just drawing your attention in over and over again. It's beautiful, man. Yeah. Uh, again, I don't want to jump into it too much, but like, yeah, every scene in the restaurant in that movie is just. Everything has its place, you know? Yep. Cars is a movie that goes by fast, and it's kind of meant to. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's hard to really soak in those moments, you know? It's kind of a go, 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 montage heavy, I mean, the, point A to point B. Yeah, the huge cast list in, this move, in these movies, too, is kind of... It's like one of those, everybody wants to be in it, so we gotta make a scene for everybody and just kind of ends up being too all over the place for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. the caveat of having a very star-studded cast. True. Well, tell you what, why don't you give me villain, villain for this movie? Villain. So the only, the only real villain, I guess, and I, he's not even really a villain until the final race is um is storm um he 
Like, he's shitty the whole time, and it's kind of like a callback to Lightning McQueen's character, although he's objectively more hot-headed and shitty than Lightning McQueen's character in the first movie, um, even during the first race. But he, when he actively slows down to get into Cruz's head and then also tries to make her crash in the final scenes. I think that at least qualifies him for the villain category. Yeah. Like, he wasn't much. He was just, again, he was just a shitty hot shot, but he was never actively doing anything to screw anybody over before until that part. Yeah, like I agree with that. He showed his true colors in that final segment. Yeah, um, he like yeah he like I said he was shitty, but he wasn't evil until that last part, or it wasn't like malicious. Right. Well, malicious isn't even that say the word. It was as as soon as you start actively trying to sabotage other characters, then you kind of fall into the villain category. I'm not true. saying he's a good villain or like will rank high at all. He probably is my lowest ranking villain, but I think he qualifies for the villains. Yeah, I can't disagree. I think, you know, he's definitely the antagonist. How evil he is, I don't know. Questionable. He's not as flashy as McQueen. You no. Know? Well, and that was kind of his thing. Well, he he likes that whole sleek look. Yes. You know, he takes those those pointed jabs at him but like a lot of that can be kind of mounted up to shit talking right and part of me would kind of argue that sterling's the villain but also with him is like his intentions are pretty clear from the get-go like maybe he's a little slimy i kind of compare him a little bit to like bob odenkirk's character um in some ways in the incredibles okay where it's like i believe he's a fan much like Bob Odenkirk's character is a fan of superheroes, you know, and he's yep. this clean-cut, sleek, good-looking character. But um, his intentions are kind of laid out pretty plain and simple right away. Like, I've got this state-of-the-art facility. I'm trying to groom the best race cars and rehabilitate old cars, bring up new cars. We're trying to compete. We're trying to make the best. And yep. he's kind of willing to do that at any cost. But at least he kind of puts that out there right up front. His his motives are never in question. Like is spe- like the final like twist was like where he was like, here's all this branded stuff for like the Lightning McQueen brand. Like, right. You know, we, I don't want your legacy to fall flat, so we're gonna just use your legacy now. Yeah. And Lightning wasn't down for that, but like. It's, I mean, the guy's, the guy's just trying to make money off of this facility that he's built, and he's built it in honor of Lightning McQueen, but I don't know that that's necessarily villainous. Very parallel to what we see in Ratatouille next week. You've got this Gusto legacy, and Gusto passes, and... Eric? You know? We're not talking Ratatouille this week. I know, I know. It's a great movie. I feel like we're going to have a lot of fun with it next week. I think we will, too. But it's a nice tie-in. We're in that same movie. One of the points, not a big focal point in the movie, but uh, they're trying to take the legacy of a a, a deceased... Master Chef. Master Chef and author and turn him into a frozen instant dinner mogul. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of more like 
the themes that we're seeing in this third Cars movie, where there's kind of that theme of, you know, phasing out and, you know, making, maybe you can't do what you once did, but you still have that likeness and we're going to make money off of it. Yeah, making the money off the name. Yeah. So. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Storm going in the last place slot for the villains, but I think it's important to have him there. I'm going to have to look at my rankings. I don't think he'll be... Last place was Sir, um, the guy from Cars 2. Yeah. Um, Ian, um, or Miles Axelrod. Miles Axelrod, yep. Like, I adamantly dislike him. So, I don't know, maybe I'll put Storm right above Axelrod. Again, I'll look at that again after this, we're done recording, but... That's where I'm putting him right now, second last. I got I got some gripes with your Axelrod business. I really do. I know we talked about it a lot last week. We're over it. I think uh-huh. the people had enough of it. If you want to talk about Axelrod off air, we'll, we'll, we'll jab. All right. All right. It's fine. But yeah, uh, for me, Storm's coming right at the bottom. You're putting him second to last? Second to last. Okay. Um, as far as the film rating, I'm going to get right to the point. I'm putting it also at second last. I'm putting it just above the other Cars film, and I think there's a big gap between Cars 2 and 3, but also I think this is not one of the standout Pixar films we've seen so far. I guess if I'm sharing a cab with someone, and they've never heard of Pixar, and I'm trying to explain Pixar to them, and i got to recommend them three movies, Cars 3 is not going to be one of them. As a matter of fact, none of the Cars will be up there, but at least Cars 1, I think, has more of an identity than this third one does. Third one does a good job trying to build on that identity and keep it afloat, but at Second. the end of the day, you can you can skip the last two cars and you'll be just fine. Yep. The uh, I mean, the second one did more damage than it was worth. Um, I think I would also put this just right up, yeah above Cars Three. I think it comes in just below Finding or above Dory cars for me. Two. Yeah, above Finding Dory, or excuse me, just below yeah. Finding Dory. Yeah, I think I think our bottom bottom of our roster is pretty similar i think it's finding dory cars 2 cars 3 or yes. cars 3 cars 2 i believe that's right i'm pretty sure it's all in that ballpark like finding dory as we discussed not great but visually it was really well done and it was fun to watch it was just kind of muddled and when you over when you analyze it a little bit more it sucks but yeah cars 2 and cars 2 is just trash cars 3 was similar to finding dory um just a little less visually appealing and the characters i gave less of a shit about yeah nice yeah look at us being all matchy matchy yeah well yeah. we planned it ahead of time <laughs> don't tell people that and uh, i guess that brings us to a beer rating so this is spiral brewing out of hasting they're hard left they're stout i like it um it's it's got it's got a nice roast flavor that's not it's not quite coffee um but like it had a a roast malt kind of going on it which i dug um pretty light body too and that might just be because we just had a 12 percent you know imperial stout right before this but um no i i liked i like the the crispiness factor of it yeah can't disagree with you. You got a rating there? Um, 
flavor wise it kind of just it came in a little above um a lot of stouts that i've had i'm probably gonna go like three eight on this damn not bad um like the last one i think i'm gonna be a little lower than you um this one as a beer that's right around six percent i think it does come in kind of boozy tasting um not heavy in body but it is a little hot for like what it is especially it being half the alcohol content of the last one we just had so Mm -hmm. that's maybe the thing that's a little off-putting to me um also it's hot right now and (laughs) it's hot as hell right now diving into one stout not bad i can drink a dark coffee beer in a hot day but two i don't know i i hope that bias doesn't come through too much in this review but it's not a bad stout i think it just kind of falls plague to being another stout and that's just me being honest here so i'm giving it a three right in the middle just an even three um don't know if I'd be in a hurry to buy it again. I'm not going to say it's a bad beer. If it gets passed to me, I'll drink it. But there's a lot of stouts out there, and I'd sooner grab a Guinness or another um, Speedway. So Sure. Fair is fair. Fair is fair. And that's what we try to do here. Is, uh, you know, it's a lot of opinion, but we try to be fair at the end of the day. So Fair shake. You know? A fair shake. A fair race. Hey. Vroom, vroom. And I just dropped my phone. But uh, I think it's about that time. Yeah, I'm sweating bullets out here. It's hot here in California, and we hope you've enjoyed us talking beer and cars. We hope you enjoyed our beer pairings for the last three episodes. This will be the last time we will be talking about um, cars in long form on this show. And I don't think we're mad about it. Nope, I'm not mad about it. Like... It's kind of the same thing with Toy Story, like, one through four. By the fourth one, like, and I really liked the fourth one. I was like, okay, got to do this one more di- one more time. Jesus. Um, that's kind of where I'm at with this. Totally. There a lot. I'm all right to put it in the rearview mirror and uh, keep going down the road. We but, won't have uh, as many easy puns going forward, though. That'll be a bummer. We got a lot of food ones next Ooh, week, so. Very excited. But in the meantime, script all of my bits. (laughs) It's gonna be coming in hot. Yes, everything but the kitchen sink next week. Hey. Um. In the meantime, though, I'm Eric Anderson. He's Nate Oppedal. Just want to send a special thank you to, um, our celebrity fun facts finder this week for this episode. Uh, girlfriend of the show, Samantha Tollefson. Not my girlfriend. (laughs) <laughs> not his girlfriend exactly <laughs> also want to send a big thank you to chase b for the beer recommendation for the first act of the show and also a big thank you to nate for the graphics that you see each week on our instagram and a big thank you to salsa dave sam stiglmeyer producer and engineer of the show and general sweetheart general sweetheart yep Aww. everything you hear is uh because uh because he takes the time to listen to us and 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 put this together so we hope you enjoy it we're not sure he always does but nonetheless <laughs> he sticks with us and we love him for that yes um yeah we've been the suds buds check us out on instagram email us at gmail suds buds pod that's s-u-d-z b-u-d-z p-o-d like the new metal group
Take it easy. It says here to remove the demon, the host body must be washed in the source of the demon's power. But what is the source? Ah, the source of my power. Whoa, are you full demon now? I was forged in this spicy habanero mango-infused queso, the first element of all God's creation. So it's good? I can never know, for if I sip from the pool, it will destroy me, the demon Fieri, for all of eternity. <gasps> for Jeff to come back, Guy Fieri has to die? But I like you way better than Jeff. You are a true G. Yeah.